what do we do with the sacked old malt house? What do we do with the sacked old malt house? What do we do with the sacked old malt house? Now he's gone from Carlton. Woo, we sacked our coach now. Woo, we sacked our coach now. Woo, we sacked our couch now. Coach now. On a Wednesday morning. It was a Tuesday morning, but close enough. Welcome to The Cellar. This is The Cellar Dwellers Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the best of the worst of AFL football. Coming to you slightly late this week after a really exciting round eight and really some very exciting news, uh, I'm joined, as always, on the show by Chris. Chris, say hi. Hi. So we're going to do our usual work, Chris, this week of going down into the the bottom of the ladder, looking at the bottom four teams. We're going to check in on the Rhodes Gold Kicking Scholarship and then we're going to get to my favourite topic this week, the decisive indecision. Mm. Um, and then we're going to spend a bit more time on uh, having a look at the round of the head, because really we think there's there's some bottom-of-the-ladder games which really bear mentioning, um, just for their uh, both genuine quality and genuine possible amusement. Um, so let's head down to the cellar then, Chris. Down in the bottom floor this week of the, of the ladder in the race for the spoon, it's still tight as can be. We've got uh, the St Kilda Saints, though, rejoining us. I'm glad that the Saints are back. I really am. Um, I mean, it's maybe a bit sad for St Kilda, but they. Um, I really wanted to talk about them a bunch because I think they are um, they are a team that has been shafted by two coaches in a row, and it now seems like they've finally got it together um, and are actually undergoing the dreaded rebuild um, and doing it in yeah. a way that. I think um, the official line from the seller is, uh, we support it. We do we do support it. So they were beaten handily out west, of course, by, by West Coast Eagles. Mm. Saints fan, I'm sorry. If that was a spoiler for you, probably want to catch up on things a bit sooner. Um, they, they were beaten handily by West Coast, but that first half... Well, actually, three and a half quarters. Three and a half quarters of, uh, of decent football. I'm trying, I'm trying to recall now, actually, whether or not it was out west. I can't even remember. It was uh, in Melbourne. It was in Melbourne, wasn't it? Yeah. So, look, at home, at Eddie Hat, but who cares? Um, half time, they're down by two goals. Three-quarter time, they're only down by five. And it it got out of hand in the last quarter, and that's that's fine. They had a... Um, it ends up with a, a, an almost 50-point loss, but uh, considering that West Coast are looking pretty good against bad teams. Um, I think there's a lot to take out of this for Saints fan. You've got the likes of David Armitage looking like a, way more than even the most optimistic projections for him. Yep. Jack Stevens. Jack Steven. Oh, what a player. Uh, I think he's really good, but I'm a little bit worried he's Dane Swan Mark too. Um, yeah, but he doesn't sort of sound like he's drunk when he talks. So that's, that's a starting true. point. That's true. And I'm not going to get confused for him when I walk down the street. And he does tackle the opponent, his opponents, mm, which is mm, a big thing. Mm. Um, they had Adam Schneider chipping in with 25 disposals, which is probably a little bit less pleasing in terms of the players that they've got involved because, I mean, how old is Adam Schneider at this point? It seems like he's been around since 
the 90s. I'm sure that's not quite true, but um, look, with and this is a game where they didn't have Nick Rewalt. Um, for the future, it's all bright news for the Saints. We're, you know, we're glad to see them down here to say that they're a team that seems to be rebuilding the right way. They'll get a good draft pick again this year, um, and, but they're showing enough that they can make promising moves to, to build into the future. Um, further down in the cellar then, we've got the Brisbane Lions. Brisbane who, Lions. Um, in, a, in, a, in a lot of ways, a bit of a similar performance to them, but a little mm. bit worse mm. than St Kilda did against West Coast. And they lost heavily to Collingwood, but at half-time, you, this game was going to go either way. You know, I'm not a scientist, Sam, and I don't understand the uh, fully the laws of, of motion, but um, it was commented that if, if Brisbane could kick a goal before half-time, that they would really have the momentum going in to the next half. And science. So, sound science. Um, and I was like, oh, momentum, yes. They're going to, you know, come out and they may be in this match against Essendon. Um, yeah, I think I, I think I said Collingwood, of course, I meant the other despicable team full of criminals. Yeah. Um, Essendon proceeded to kick uh, seven goals four to Brisbane's two goals in the next quarter. So um, I think... You know, the, the researchers at CERN should really come down and have a good look at uh, what's going on What's going on at Eddie Because com- completely contradictory to momentum science, that was Yeah, not. yeah. So, you know, if you, if you are trying to understand particle physics, uh, get on down, yeah. watch Essendon play, because phew, there's some... Uh, Who knows how they're doing it. Um, I think there's the, the results, to an extent, are not surprising Brisbane have no defensive ability, so a team like Essendon, which seems offensively challenged, suddenly looks looks like they've got well, this Well, if Joe, if Joe Danaher's kicking six goals on you, um, although he did kick them oh, from right. all over the park, so maybe he is actually good, but... Um, disagree. <laughs> disagree. I know it's, it's sensitive to comment on the Danaher name at the moment, so I'll refrain. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll wait for uh, motor neuron disease to be cured before making comments on Joe Danaher. Um, what you could be pleased, though, for Brisbane was um, that Tom Rockliffe looked again like he's actually like the player that he was before, really, last year. And, you know, 27 touches, um, 13 kicks, 10 tackles, a goal assist, six mm. score involvements. Five clearances. Five clearances as well. Just a real stud performance from a player that they expected a lot from and is delivering Stefan Martin's back in form. Well, Stefan Martin's hair um, is back in form and that's really the... Um, that's really, we're that's we're really all about hair important. as an indicator of performance here. We're going to come back to the... the so we're, we're pleased with Saints and Brisbane and they play each other next week and we're, we're going to come back to preview that match a little bit to say why we're excited about it. But um, they're the two exciting parts of the bottom four. The two and now, most and uninteresting now we get part. Sad. Uh, so the Gold Coast, who did lose to Collingwood, unlike Brisbane, um, uh, got held goalless for a quarter in the third quarter. Got well, they were got kind of competitive half, but, again, but not really. But pasted again, uncompetitive again, uninspired again. Huge list of injuries. Everyone knows about the injuries, and that's coming up more and more as people defend their friend in the media, Rocket Eve. But I don't know. I don't know. It's they had a five goal quarter in the second quarter. They yeah, but that was that was some kind of purple patch from Charlie Dixon. I want to say he just um, he was yeah he kicked three goals in the space of uh, 
the space of a few minutes there. Uh, um, and they were giving up shots to Collingwood from just so close in. Mm. Um, these Collingwood wasn't pinging them from outside 50 or from there. It was all centre corridor stuff and um, just ripping them apart up the middle. And I don't know if that's the start of trying to build an attacking game plan to then build to defence as sort of we're praising St Kilda and Brisbane for, but... Gold Coast should be better with St Kilda and Brisbane. I've got a fun stat for you from that game. I love a stat. Travis Varco, famous for his uh, poor disposal. Not a not the cleanest player. Well, no, get this. Disposal efficiency for this match, 100%. Was put under a lot of pressure. How many touches? 29 that's really very bad uh, by Gold Coast. Yeah. There should be no player who gets 29 touches. There should be no player that gets 100% effective disposal. To be, um, to, be, to be fair, you know, I mean, maybe effective disposal doesn't mean anything. We've got a, we've got a current reigning Brownlow medalist who thinks to think that hand passes belong at the feet of his teammates. So it's hard to, it's hard to say whether or not disposal efficiency is actually I thought Matt Fife was the Brownlow medalist. Oh, did he? Did we already give him last year's? Oh. We should go. Can we go back and do that? Um, I mean, the oh, media wants quick, to give it to him. Quick note: speaking about Gold Coast, um, for everyone who's out there trying to say that Nat Fives had the best start to his career ever, ever get a grip. Uh, Gary Ablett Jr., the greatest footballer in the league, despite you forgetting about him because he's injured, is going to uh, come back like he left something. Uh, You'd hope so. My suspicion. You'd hope they need and, him uh, back. If, if, he, if he can get over his shoulder. But his start to, the start to his career, people forget just uh, his... Uh, and you can see his influence on Gold Coast now. He's the only player in the league who's truly transformed with an entire team. So pull some out for, for Gary Ablett's shoulder um, and hope he gets back. That brings us then, though, Chris, to the very bottom of the ladder where Carlton... Uh, Free at last. That's a really inappropriate phrase to use. It's not quite like uh, African American civil rights, but say it's, but Mick Maltas, you know what? I say it's nothing like that. It's nothing it's probably, like a prolonged period of apartheid followed by brief bouts of armed struggle. Um, it's no, it's not like that at all. It's more like somebody uh, lost their job. Uh, yes, but that guy was a real, real asshole. <laughs> so. Look, I, I tr- pulled a dubious stat for you, but uh, I will note that this is the second time in a, in a few years that a coach has lost their job after playing Geelong. Uh, so, you know. And actually, let's, let's oh, I've got a pretty good feeling. This is the second time Mick Malthouse has lost his job after playing Geelong. Uh, it is, because he, well, he played you in a grand final. And then... And, was gone and then lost and then and then was gone. Um, let's let's just oh, um, Mick, don't play Geelong Carl- so much, mate. So Mick Malthouse has gone from Carlton after Carlton were embarrassed and looked uncompetitive as usual against Geelong. Um, the trademarked game strategy of not defending the rebound and turning the ball over um, was about as successful as usual. Yeah, the contested um, possession, Sam, really matters. Oh, it really does matter. It really does matter. Uh, and that's why what you, you should always do when you've got, when, you know, uh, one of your tagging sort of semi-skilled inside midfielders like Andrew Carrazzo goes out, you've really got to think hard about who to replace Yeah, him. I think Robbie Warnock 
That was the right call. I think it was. I think when you think, what I need to do is create a forward line structure that's got a permanent ruckman yep. in it. They'll never see They'll that They'll never coming. see it coming. And Geelong's, you know, death of tall defenders means that we'll, uh, yeah. you know, we'll they'll, get a few through. They'll, they'll, yeah, they'll never see it. They'll never see it coming. Um, I um, think they did see it coming to the tune of 77 points. That's a lot. That's pretty close to the margin that Carlton beat Geelong by in that grand final. Uh, yeah, I think that was 20, 64 points, wasn't it? 20, 20 I can't, years ago? can't really, yeah, something about, like that. Do you have any memory of that grand final? Uh, it's seared, seared in there, yes. How did that feel for you? <laughs> it, was, um, uh, it was painful. So let's, let's talk briefly about the sacking of the losingest coach in AFL history. Mm. Um, so it all unfolded a bit weirdly where a few weeks ago we were told Mick's going to be there for the rest of the year. And you're in a rebuild. Uh, and Mick was the right person to lead you in that rebuild. And Mick for the, for the year. And there'd be a review. Then Mick said, we're not rebuilding, we're reloading or something like that. And then he said, no. the word rebuild has a negative effect on the players. Uh, and that may be why. It's not mixed coaching. Let's all no, remember. That's why It's they're... never mixed coaching. Um, it was the, the media and the, the wording from the Carlton board that was putting these players off. And then uh, we had events unfolded. Carlton continued to lose and look very much like the worst team in the comp. Um and then we had the weird events this week where the board announced, look, we're going to take a look at things at the bye, a.k.a. we're going to almost certainly fire this hopeless coach at the bye um, because that's the most convenient time for him to replace him. We'd, we'd speculated on the pod previously that that was going to be the time to do yep. it. Um, and then Mick said, well, sack me or extend me because he's been desperate for a contract extension, leaking in the media that he'd be willing to come back for 600000 and the like. Um because apparently he's... He's got a Ferrari to pay uh, off or something. He's got a Ferrari to pay off or something. Although he does walk to work. Um, what, trying to think of a game plan? Um, maybe I could employ one of those traffic lights. They seem to stop things. Good job, Mick. No, you just yeah. need the busy traffic cones. That's right. When are they coming oh, out? Not for a while. We could, we could do with 22 traffic cones. I think you've already got them. We'll put them They're very expensive. The Robert Warnock. Um... So we had this interview on SEN, and then we were effectively dares the board to fire him, and the board says, all right, cool, see ya. <laughs> Bye. You're, you're done. You're done, mate. Uh, so he's done. Uh, so he's done. Um, How do you feel? I feel great. I feel so good. As I, as I said to you previously, it's, it's like being Collingwood for a season. Um... There's just some times when you don't really care what the result is as long as the person who's ruining your club is not doing it anymore. Um, and at least now next year and for the rest of the season, we can actually look for positives uh, for Carlton fans and for Carlton team, the Carlton team for things to change. Well, there's been action. This is the thing. That's yeah. right. So I, I'd Something's like actually... to move us on to our decisive indecision then sure. this week. I'm going to nominate um, a rare move, Carlton's board. Now, you might think, that's not a coaching decision. How did it affect? I think you can probably blame Carlton's board and the broader club structure for almost every loss this season. 
I don't think that's true. Yeah, well. <laughs> I wouldn't I would think that though. Um so so why do you why do you say that, Chris? They dithered around it, it go it, it's a bit of history lesson going on here, but they thought um Brett Ratton was not the man for the job. Correct. Sacked him. Correct. Maybe the right decision. Then they brought in Mick Malthouse, which as uh, you know, our favourite AFL commentator, head over to the Facebook page to have a look at this one. He said they hired Mick Malthouse. Not a good idea. Yeah, this is uh, old mate, uh, old mate Matthew Hill at Matthew A. Hill um, on the 10th of September 2012 said, not a good move, guys. Four <laughs> exclamation marks. <laughs> He was pretty convinced, and he was right. Yeah. So they hire Mick as the uh, effectively, allegedly, the best coach on the market, uh, who was coming off some recent good, but oh, actually, won, recently won a premiership at, at Collingwood after many, many a long years of struggling away. Um, in fact, at below the rate that most coaches win premierships at per games coached, but that's another <laughs> accusation for another time. Um. But then they did not change anything about the list. They brought in Daisy Thomas. That's a Mick move, but they they did bring in Daisy Thomas. They did not um, retain um, their goal-kicking potency that was a notable element of Carlton's game to that point. Steady steady Eddie. Steady Eddie. Jeff Garlett. El Jefe. Mitch Robinson. They ditched a whole um, bunch of players over the course of two years. Jared Wade. They, and did and, not and really uh, bring in any new talent um, for those for that ditching. Yeah. Did not get value only, for money. There's only two players that I think have looked good that Carlton have acquired in or at young kids. So one of them, Sam Doherty, who seems to be good as a rebounding halfback, and the other one's Patrick Cripps, who's Patty a bona fide stud. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, but then, so, Pat, and then, Pat, Pat, then Patty year, Big Sticks, Stephen Kernahan, um, went, was put out to pasture, um, and in Stay comes, now you're going to have to help me with the man. pronunciation here, but is it Low Guidis? Low, Low G. Low G. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm... Bot- I call him, I call him Bottom Octave. <laughs> Oh, man, you should just see, sorry, I just checked the headlines to see if his name was in there. Former coaches are lining up to say they won't coach the Blues. They sure are. It's great. Uh, Do you know know why that is? Because they're all former coaches and they know this is a list looking forward. Yeah. I don't think that's the Um, case. I don't care. I think that it's a a dysfunctional organisation. Like John Morsfold is good. He's not good. Mark Thompson presided over one of the largest scandals in recent AFL history. Um, stuff him. We don't need him. So Logodis Lo, uh, was brought in. And that's... Bottom octave. Bottom, sorry. The bottom octave arose right. from the depths. Makes it sound like a threatening gangster. <laughs> the bottom octave arose from the depths and... Took over the board. Took over the board and did not immediately fire Mick Malthouse. Um, that's the only thing that I'll dig him for, but I will give him the credit of he did get to it eventually. <laughs> Which it took, um, you know, an infinite... Well, they were never... 
they were never going to be able to fire him before he coached that bloody 317th game. Yes, they could have. Uh, There's no room for sympathy in AFL. Look, I would have. I think. I think. I'm. I'm on an island a bit at the moment with my view towards the Carlton Ford's performance. I would have been even more out there that they just cut him off at the knees. <laughs> if they just red wedding the Carlton I, yeah, coaching they panel, have, they may have done that. Low G just came in yeah. and, and went to the mattresses. Yeah. yeah, they castily rocked him. That's what they did. Yeah, castily rocked his yeah. world. No, I, I'm half wondering whether they've they've actually deliberately said stuff in the media to get him offside and get him to react and then just be able to be like, no, nah, you're out. Master troll. So, so it's either, so this is the thing, this is the decisive indecision part of it, right? Is this A, a stroke of marketing, just torture, horrible decision after horrible decision, or genius? It's kept Carlton in the headlines in spite of being horrible. Um, and... They've they've got rid of uh, rid of a giant albatross from around their neck. Look, never think of an ulterior motive when incompetent is a perfectly good explanation. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Um, that's a maxim I tend to live my life by, and I think it's probably true that the Carlton board has no idea what they're doing. I think that's probably fair. I think it's also probably true that most boards have no idea what they're doing. I mean, one of them's headed up by David Bloody Kosh. Um, uh, I think some clubs, manage, some clubs manage their financial relatively well, but that's usually, and I say usually, not always, usually paired with uh, reasonable on-field success. It's also usually uh, paired with a fairly large um, array of poker machines. Uh, that's right. And Carlton's, uh, really the form of financial base of the club was um, the Vizzy Empire, um, the Pratt family, force field um but i think i think what we'll be looking at into the future of the current borders their their next test is this off season who cares about the rest of the season i, I mean honestly there should be the word going out that uh murphy gibbs uh cade simpson uh christian jack liam jones <laughs> michael jamison all of these players are available uh, They've already said that. And they, Every player is available. I think that's... I mean, they have said that. and I think they should go about seeking to get rid of those players. Um, They'll need some around, though. You would need... You know, who's got work ethic? I think I think Brock McLean's free. <laughs> um, no, I think, it's, I think it's a case of this is a team that needs to be bad for a few years. You need to trust the process and see that uh, you need bright young talent and you need to strike on it at the right at the right point. We need to be able to identify and, it, which they have not been able and to. And I think and you need to then I think there's a there's a thing to be said for overpaying for middle tier talent for short term deals that are typically in the way of the AFL. That's usually that's almost the opposite of most world sport. But mm. the difference is that paying for someone like Daisy Thomas, who is now the ways that you can measure this that say that he was very good at Collingwood and there's ways you can look at it to say that he was never any good at all. Um, I tend to fall into the latter club. Me, me too, me too, and particularly considering the injury risk. But uh, there was never going to be a circumstance in which overpaying Dale Thomas was going to be better than was going to have a higher upside chance than overpaying Eddie Betts. Mm-hmm. Um, there was never going to be a situation where, for instance, uh, 
over making, I mean, Carlton should be, and although I doubt they'll be successful, trying to make uh, reaches out towards someone like Alex Rance and saying, we will pay you a horrific amount of money. Um, you'll be able to launch Jehovah's Witness missions the entire world over for the amount of money that we're going to pay you. Um, and and that's what that's what I think they should do. But we'll see we'll see how they go this off season. Um, I for one agree that they were probably indecisive mm. and maybe that harmed the club, club in the long run. But God, I'm glad Malthouse is fired. You are you. Can he can, can he as can we just check? Is he going to get a job with Channel Seven again? I doubt it. Can we get him to comment on every Carlton game just so we can hear his bitter crocodile tears about being fired? From his uh, he should game? comment. You know what? They should just get him to commentate every Collingwood Carlton clash. Yeah, I'd love that. I'd love it. I'd live for that because I hate him. <laughs> um, don't hate him as a person. I hate him as a coach, but still, oh, don't like him. Um, <laughs> yeah. So let's move to our normal scheduled content then, Chris. Let's talk about the Rhodes goal-kicking scholarship. Yes, the Rhodes. How could I forget about the Rhodes? Because I did actually forget a little bit there. You did. You might have skipped it. I, I did a very good rundown for yeah, you doing this pod. And you just went I right just, All about, um, I was already looking forward to next week. But let's look back. Let's look back at the week that's gone and, uh, and discuss our Rhodes goal-kicking scholarship tally. Yeah. Now, just for those who are tuning in for the first time, um, if that's Welcome, you, listener. If that's you, listener. Great. Thank you for coming. Yeah. Um, the Rhodes Goal Kicking Scholarship is awarded um, uh, on a points basis to the most inaccurate goal kicker. Now, you do have to kick a goal because it's a goal kicking scholarship, not a points kicking scholarship. Um, that's right. Very important. Not that you even Liam Jones, he did the classic. Again, go have a look at your podcast artwork right now, listener. That was Liam. Oh my god! It is exactly Liam this week. You get points, five points for coming first, one point for coming fifth. We divvy it up um, based on how inaccurate you were. Did you completely shank it? Did you just kick it behind? Um, so was it was it heartbreaking? Important yeah, heartbreaker. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, so coming in, coming in uh, this week in fifth, Jake Stringer of the Western Bulldogs. Who's our first multiple goal kicker entry into the Jakey. into the into the roads? He's kicked two goals, three and two incomplete. If your name was Jake Stringer, what would you want as your nickname? Oh, um, cheese. Cheese? Yeah, I reckon cheese would be pretty good. Yeah, big cheese. cheese Stringer. Big cheese. Big, big cheese Stringer sounds pretty good. So good job, Jake. Yes, and then uh, and then. We had um, coming in, you know, tied for um, for fourth year. We had Devin Smith of GWS and uh, one Tom Hawkins, who that's Tom's second entry this year. He's no, no good. good. I told you before. I'll tell you again. <laughs> Regression to the mean here, Tom. Uh, he's kicked one goal, two behinds, one incomplete, as has Devin, um, for twenty five percent. Tell you what, the, the big, big sound in the west of the town, just going to comment on them briefly. Love them. <laughs> just convert. Just give in, Sam. No, no. Can't, can't change teams, particularly not after they just got rid of Mick Moldhouse. That's how long does the honeymoon last? Uh, if they are a dog worth fold <laughs> for long. Well, he's not going to do it. If they, if they hire Michael Voss... 
probably going to do it. Uh, I, I wonder who they actually could hire. There's bum, not bum, many bum, going bum, around. It's easily the best one. And the players can't sing nah, it. a lick. It's so it's good. Perfect. Um, Goes on for way too long. It's awesome. All right, and then Tide. <laughs> tide, Tide, Tide now for uh, the first for year. First. Um, we've got James Stewart of GWS as well, who's kicked one goal, three behinds, one incomplete for 20%. And then on the exact same stats, Jack Gunston of Hawthorne. Gun. You choked it out. He's had two weeks in a row of dud, dud kicking. Um, I'm going to choke this game out. Yes. Yep. Now, um, I did want to half nominate him for a heartbreaker bonus point here, but I actually went back through and had a look, and not not no, too he, bad. No, he didn't miss that late. He, it was um, Bruce that. Yeah, the, Bruce is Bruce was really the heartbreaker in that very close match between um, Hawthorne and Sydney. So big roads news this week is that Jake Stringer is now our overall leader. <sighs> big cheese. He's in the clear. He's cleared the uh, the bottleneck there. Um, he's a point in front of, uh, of everybody else. So, um, guys, Big Cheese is the one to, to beat. Um, put some chewy on your boot and, and get into it next week. So let's have a look then, Chris, uh, after the news of the Big Cheese's big rise. Um, let's have a look next week to um, some of the games to come. We'll, we'll touch briefly on the Friday Night Spectacular, which is... Just going to be Carlton being oh. Christians and the, Christians and the Lions. Oh. I think are playing up Sydney, right now. Yeah, Sydney at the SCG. Um, now, I I attended the last game that Carlton played at the SCG. How would you describe that, Sam? Because we have spoken about, about it before. I was I was just about the most miserable <laughs> I've been in a football field. Now, can um, you tell me? Can you tell me when that was? Because I want to want to look. It was two thousand and thirteen. Um, oh, so, no, they would have played there last year, I think. I was there for the 2013 game uh, where these guys emptied themselves and the ground was under about an inch and a quarter of water. And um, Carlton actually played it relatively close. Uh, let me just have a look up, see if I can bring up those results. I've got them here. I've got them here. Here we go. Uh, so, Carlton, you got them there? So, so tell, me, to tell me what my memories are. <laughs> All I can remember is that I, I was walking out of the stadium to get in a cab. A, there were none. And B, my shoes were literally filled with water. There was water just coming out of the top of my, out of my shoes. How much did Carlton lose by? Uh, 22, 22 points. Um, they, Sydney led by 34 at halftime. Um, Carlton battled away. And then uh, it didn't go that well. Yeah, and then the last time you met, um, Sydney kicked 122 and you, you kicked 51. I think that's going to be much more of what we said. Yeah, I think it's, that's, that's much more likely. Um, yeah, so Carlton's going to get smashed. But let's get on to the game that we're really excited oh, about. I'm so excited. Brisbane and St Kilda. Now, um, now, you've said this is not Toilet Bowl 3, Revenge of Toilet Bowl. Which I'm a bit disappointed about because it's not the bottom two teams. I think it's a good name. Yeah, it is. It is, and we're going to get a chance to. Don't worry, Carlton and Gold, and Gold Coast aren't going to win. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, but anyway, so it's, it's Brisbane St Kilda. I, I think it's the cheap Shiraz of the round. It's, it's the Shiraz Merlot. Yeah, it's a, it's a cheeky bouquet. Um, it's going to cost you wine Wines from little. multiple regions. Yeah. Um, to come down to they're this. Too, they're too young to really be playing. They're very aggressive. It's, it's 20, without 2015 a good vintage. It's a bit rough. You know, that needs to be cellared um, for a few more years. It's it's one ten on a Sunday afternoon. It's going to be hopefully bright sunshine yeah. up in Brisbane. Now, this is one you do want to tune in early for, because you do. Oh, you've got to catch the pregame. You've got to catch the Brisbane pregame. This is now they're not running through a banner anymore. We'll put this up on the Facebook page. Facebook.com slash the Cellar Dwellers podcast. Yeah. Or as I've been saying, it's Cellar Dweller Spodcast. Cellar Dweller Spodcast. They are running through a giant inflatable lion. It's a good decision. <laughs> well, you, because it looks really bad. It looks it's amazing. So the lion is five meters high, nine meters long. It's from China. Well, where else are you going to get a giant? I don't know where. I don't think you can pop down to. They've to, had to it the custom made. BW. This is a custom jobby. Oh yeah. This is not some oh, off yeah. the shelf. No, this is the real thought that's gone. Banners are bad, and we don't have a fan club big enough to make. Now, them. if you were going to name lion. a lion from Brisbane um, as your mascot, what would you call it? Oh, Chad. Nah, wrong. It's Brian. Now, how would you spell <laughs> Brian? Please tell me it's B R I O N. It is. <laughs> it is B R I O N the lion. Brian. <laughs> What's wrong with them? Uh, Which marketing genius? Some Brian. Some junior That's... intern at the marketing agency is. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. You guys. Guys, it's Brisbane is B R I, and the lion ends in I O N. Brian, that's a name. High fives all round, break for lunch, vodka martinis, done. Um, so, Brian the Lion. At least we know, at least we know what happened. Literally, he's out of his mouth. Just vomiting Vomits them back up. You've got to check it out. It's worth just tuning in. Brisbane. Secure. I also know that Brian the Lion <laughs> has lacks a bottom jaw. There's just, it's just a top just extremely mouth distended. Part. It's just, it's very it also weird. also looks like he's got uh, dreadlocks because of the ribbing. Because Brian, the Rastafarian uh, lion. You know, he's ribbed for your pleasure. Brian. <laughs> uh, I really hope that there's... Uh, does Brisbane now have to recruit players that have names that end, in, end like that? Is mm. <laughs> it like, your name's Steve? No, it's not. Stevion. <laughs> Oh, wait, no, I've got it. I'm sorry, I've read down the article John. a little bit further here. The name Brian was generated from a fan survey, which also produced oh, the name of course it was. Roy, the on-ground mascot. But that means they would have got, you know, three entries. Any <laughs> of those three. Why, why do we not know? We need to keep... Listener, go onto the Facebook page if you ever find out about a chance for a user write-in, because... <laughs> We'll get involved. Yeah. Let's get it. Let's uh, get it on. Uh, uh, I hear Brian's, Captain Carl Brian is probably is... up for being Can we? What? Can I just say, can we bring back to letting Carlton players get around in hovercrafts? <laughs> they, um, they crashed it broke, didn't it? It did. Yeah. I had to think, Weird. you know, 
I know a lot of the football media are traditionalists um, and arch conservatives, but I think this is better. This is better than a Brian the Lion is so much better than a than a piece of tissue that you run. Well, through. it's it's get, it's getting up towards the point of American NF, NFL pregames yeah. where we'll get planes flying overhead. There'll be flames. There'll be uh, confetti everywhere. It'll be a nightmare. There'll be a flag as big as the ground. Um, and that's what we need. Give the people what they want. Um, so let's talk about what's going to go on in the game itself. We think Nick Rewalt's probably going to be back for St Kilda. We think that uh, Brisbane's going to be looking to bounce back after a, a tough loss to Essendon. And we also think there's going to be just a lot of people looking to move the ball with not a lot of pressure on them. Yep. Uh, Jack Stephen might get over 50 touches. He might get over 60 touches running around. What's the, the record? Uh, I think it's got to be have... 50. It's 50, isn't it? Do some quick right, stats Let's go to our dear friends at a- AFL tables. But So I think, I'll let you do that. I think that uh, Brisbane should have an advantage with Stefan Martin in the ruck. Uh, and it will, the winner of the game will be uh, sort of the Rich and Rockliffe and Paparone duel against Armitage and Stephen and to be named um, player from the uh, St Kilda Saints. I think St Kilda probably do have a bit more forward firepower and certainly ball moving ability with Rewild back, but it should be a really exciting game. I'll be I'll be sad if they don't if it isn't. Yep. But all right, here we go. We've got a tie. Most disposals in a game. Greg Williams. Oh, of course. Yeah. And who who else? Dane Swan. Nah, try again. Gary Ablett Jr. Yes, Gary Ablett Jr. Uh, on 53. Let's just remember, can we just recall that fact when people start talking about Nate, Nat Fife being the most brilliant player ever? Is that Gary Ablett Jr. on a Geelong team that was already stuffed with players who could get the ball for themselves uh, was, able to, was able to get that record? Well, that was with... that was. When he played for Gold Coast. Oh, was it? Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Team stuff with talent too. <laughs> um, but let's just, like, 53 disposals. Jack Stevens going to take a run at that. Um, 53. Now, he did... Um, uh, Jack Stephen is already in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Jack Stephen, St Kilda, 47 against last Fremantle. Week. Oh, no, Fremantle in 2013. Yeah. So, now 2013 is the year that Fremantle made the grand final. Um, so I would suggest uh, look for the Jack to have a pretty big game. Evolutionary Matt Prittis. Mm. Um, <laughs> Matt. Now I've got... Listen, I, listen, I, listen I, I hung here. out in the Virgin Lounge with the, with the Perth... Um, the, with the, the strong wind. word. Well, around. Near. <laughs> next to. They were all lurked. around you, there. And I, another way of saying that is you lurked near. I creeped on them. Yeah. The West Coast Eagles. And uh, Nick Natanui, that's a tall guy. Whoa. That's the kind of takes that people come Yeah, hot takes, for. fresh off the griddle. Um, so, yep, if, in case you didn't know, AFL players, pretty tall. And I believe you also told me they had a view about movies. What's the best movie? What is the worst Fast and Furious movie? Fast and Furious, Tokyo Drift. That's their opinion. It's clearly not the worst Fast and Furious movie. I, I was, that's what I was suggesting that they would say. Mm. Um, mm. 
Task- Tokyo Drift is clearly the best movie because yeah. it has little Bow Bow in it. <laughs> and also a whole bunch of cars going sideways for reasons and, that make sense. And, and some kind of weird context. death mountain race. Yeah. Uh, Done. Perfect uh, film. The worst Fast and Furious movie is probably the first one. <laughs> it's really bad. Or the next one. Or the second one. Yeah. Or Tokyo Drift. Tokyo Drift isn't that good. None of them are good. None of them are good. Yeah. Oh, I kind of liked Six. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, next week we'll have a look at which was uh, the worst Final Destination. <laughs> um, Clearly it's Final Destination 5. I will agree. Um, so let's move on to our last topic of conversation this week. Let's Let's have a look at What's very popular in the media after round eight is to talk about the history of the fact that after eight rounds, the top eight, the teams that make the finals, is usually pretty much set. There's, mm. there's traditionally been one team that moves up into the eight and one team that moves down. Mm. We obviously don't care about that. We're much concerned about the bottom ten being locked in mm. at this point. And to be honest, I couldn't be happier with the bottom ten at the bottom, moment. Well, bottom nine, really. You know, who's not making the finals? Uh, no, it's ten. It's ten. It's ten. Eighteen teams. Ten, mate, mate. Call yourself a podcaster. No, I do because that's exactly the sort of thing that would happen on a podcast. Um, Because it just did. uh, So we've got in this in this bottom ten, we've got three finalists from last year. Mm -hmm. Um, Essen didn't make the finals last year, did they? I don't think they did. I think they were kicked. They were booted, weren't they? Still? No, no, that was the year before. Um, who cares? Essendon it should be are also. Every year. Essendon are also. I'll, I'll refrain from commenting on that. Um, Essendon were in the are in the bottom now. Look like they're not looking that great. Geelong, garbage. Oh. Awful um, team. The Western Bulldogs. I could see them popping up and maybe making it. No, um, they will not make it. Uh, and then you've now. got then you've got North and Port, who both look. Lost and stung. Top four. So that would be three um, potential top four aspirants. Uh, the, and just devastated the club followers yep. to, at the moment. Yep. Um, by the way, Richmond looking sneaky good again. No. Um, just, just throwing it out there. Not a good got, team. Then you've got the Melbourne, which this week won after scoring over 60 points. Melbourne they did. They scored, they scored over 100. Yeah, they did. They, 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 they can't score. They scored a lot. Um, uh, so that was good to see out of there. Mm. Uh, and then we've got our bottom four, which we discussed. So it's, it's really a, a cracking and interesting bottom Well, there's eight. a lot and, of failure going on, isn't there? Um, and teams not living up to expectations and teams exceeding we, expectations. That's the, that's the joy of this year's, uh, this year's ladder. When we, when we get to the, to the bottom, when we get a little bit further into the season, we'll be able to start burying teams. Obviously, we can already bury mm. Carlton and Gold Coast. They're done. Uh, their seasons are. They're you not can probably bury St Kilda and Brisbane next yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, next Whoever week. Whoever loses, well, you can probably and, go. Yep, and we'll, we'll start. We'll start going through that joyful process of saying, "Let's look forward to next year, guys." Um, yeah. When do Hawthorne start looking forward to next year? Um, probably on the last weekend in September. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Do you enjoy that, Chris? Does yeah. That, does that make just you a little, good? just a little dig, just a little dig. 
No, I'm all I'm 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 long purple pirates. <laughs> all oh, about geez. it. The, I've got I've got Ross Lyon fever. Um, but that's that's it for this week's show, mm. folks. Um, cracking game of of football coming up this weekend for Brisbane and the Saints. Yep. Uh, cracking game of weekend coming up as the Christians play the Lions. Mm. Uh, and Gold Coast presumably haven't been kicked out of the league yet. So keep your eyes on the bottom. Uh, Chris, do you want to send us off with uh, another one of your just terrific catchphrases? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, and it's name your kid Brian. The lion. <laughs> <laughs> Brian the lion, everyone. Bye. Bye.